season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR Podcast. My name is Jace Riegland and I'm the host. Today is the first episode of two this weekend as we've got Player Advisor MVP Sports Group. We got Lawrence Hernandez on the show. Little background on Lawrence. So he played for his dad, Tommy Hernandez, the owner of the Dallas Tigers program growing up. He went on, played some college baseball, went on to coach for the Dallas Tigers program, um, then went on to become a player advisor to MVP, MVP Sports Group. Got a, I really love what he's doing. I've been following him now for a couple months. He advises a couple players I had on the podcast last month. Um, so I'm really excited to get him on the show. Um, today we discuss just the transition from playing to coaching. We talk about his relationship with some of his advisees, some of the players he's helping out. Talk about their recruiting process in terms of being a player advisor. Uh, we also talk about his time with the Dallas Tigers, him, him coaching there. Um, just pretty dig into his career so far. So let's dig into the interview and I hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have former Dallas Tigers baseball coach and current MVP sports group player advisor. We've got Lawrence Hernandez on the show. Lawrence, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Uh, really excited to be on here. I've never done anything like this, so uh, I'm, I'm excited for sure. Well, there we go. Let's let's dig into this. So one question I always like to ask everybody as soon as they come onto the podcast is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, I mean – Really just say, hey, I'm Lawrence Hernandez, uh, you know, grew up in the Dallas, Texas area, uh, played ball, you know, as you as you said, uh, I was in the Dallas Tiger family. My dad's the owner. And so, um, you know, I grew up in the dugout from the time I could really walk. So uh, I was a baseball lifer, no doubt. And, uh, you know, grew up in the area, played ball at Tech for a little bit, jumped around to junior college and uh, couldn't stay healthy. Also couldn't hit my weight, which uh, if you know me at all, you can see that I'm a smaller guy. So. That's, uh, you know, I just one of those things where I, I'm a baseball lifer. I love it. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy to happy to be around. I'm really energetic and try to try to bring out the best in everybody around me. That's all I try to do. Yeah. So let's let's dig into the Dallas Tigers. Obviously, you said your dad's the owner. We'll dig into this before we dig into MVP Sports Group. OK, cool. So obviously you've coached for your dad. You coached for your dad for over nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, you also played for him growing up. So what was that like just growing up playing for your dad in such a great organization like the Dallas Tigers? Um, you know, obviously, like growing up, I didn't really I couldn't really grasp how how big of an organization it was um, until I got a little older, kind of in the high school you know, ages. But, um, you know, playing with him, playing for him really was it was it was cool. You know, I think I have more appreciation for it now because I'm older and I can kind of look back at some of the memories I've made and and uh, some of the lessons I learned. And uh, so, you know, in the moment, you don't realize, you know, to me, he was just dead, you know. And so uh, having him as a coach as well was, uh, you know, it had its own challenges just because, you know, he's, he's coach on the field and dad at home. But sometimes he brings a little coach to home, you know. And so I wasn't the best listener either. And uh, so playing for him was interesting for sure. I enjoyed it. Looking back, obviously, I wish I could go back and do it again because it was awesome. But, um, 
you know, growing up in the organization was awesome. It's, it's a, like you said, it's pretty reputable. It's, it's a big name in the area for sure. And um, it was, it's a cool experience now looking back, seeing all the things I got to do. So, and, yeah. and being able to coach in the organization as well was, uh, you know, it was something that I was not planning on doing, but, um, you know, I was going from job to job after I was done playing ball. I wasn't really enjoying it. Uh, I was always a baseball guy. And so one day I helped him coach a team and, and I, you know, I, I think I picked up things quicker than he thought I would. So he was like, Hey man, you want to coach a team next year? And that's kind of how it all started. And, um, no, I really, I really enjoyed my time. It was, it was amazing. It was a great experience for me, for sure. Yeah. So you obviously you graduated in 2011, I believe. I believe that's what I found in Perfect Game. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So who were some of those guys that you were playing with? Did any of them get end up getting drafted playing professional ball? And then how long, how long were you playing for your dad? Like, when did you start playing for him? Um. Well, I'll answer that one. For, uh, I started playing for the Tigers when I was, I want to say, 11. That's kind of the first year we had a team in my age group. Before that, I was just kind of playing, you know, like everybody else, rec ball and t-ball and all that stuff. Um, but my team specifically, we didn't have the crazy big name guys. We were just a scrappy bunch that, you know, we were a bunch of dirtbags. And, uh, you know, there are some guys on the team like Adam Toth, who ended up playing a couple years at Baylor, um, who, you know, he's probably the biggest name on our team. And, uh, you know, really good outfielder, shortstop, kid was a stud. But, um, you know, I, I probably played against more guys like like Trevor Story and Josh Bell were on the same team, uh, the Dallas Patriots. And that was just a loaded team. I mean, they were they were the two big names in the area that year. Uh, you know, got to play against Dylan Bundy and Archie Bradley and guys like that. Um, you know, Joey Gallo, Bryce Harper played against those guys whenever we travel and stuff. So it was – it was more of we got to see really good competition than, than um, you know, we were the good competition. You know what I mean? We were good. We, we liked to – we loved to fight. I think we won a lot more games than we probably should have. But, um, you know, it was I – think, I think that team and, and the guys that I met through the club are probably what, I guess, brought the attitude and kind of the, the way I coached that kind of brought that out of me because, um, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't the best player. I was – I could run a little bit and I could play some defense, but hitting side of the ball, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't sniff the ball. So, um, you know, for me, it was all about effort and fight. And, uh, you know, as a coach, I tried to instill that in my players as, as best as I could. So it was, um, you know, it was really cool to, as a coach to see what the player, how the players respond to the way that you talk and the lessons you try to give them. And, and, um, for me personally, you know, I always had good groups. I loved every kid I ever coached. And, uh, so it was, it was, no, it was a blessing, like I've said. Yeah. So you talk about that process from going from actually playing ball, playing in college to coaching. So mm-hmm. how long was it after you graduated school that you started coaching for your dad? Um, probably like half a year, maybe a year. You know, I, I tried just going job to job, worked in a call center and all kinds of like roofing and stuff like that. And I just, I, you know, I wasn't, I missed the game. I think I think I mentally I had more left in me. And um, so, you know, I really miss being around the guys, obviously, being in the dugout, the, the, the baseball chatter, you know, kind of giving each other a hard time. You know, I really miss that. So, um, like I said, you know, I, I just happened to help my dad coach. It was my younger brother's team, actually, when he was, I think, 14 or 15. And they were a really good team, uh, probably the best team in the club at the time. And um, so I just happened to kind of be out there one day. And, you know, it was one of those things where, like I said, I, I picked it up quicker than I thought I would. And, um, you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. 
I think I was always one of those players that had a knack for the mental side of it and, you know, high baseball IQ kind of guy, but the, the talent part was where I lacked for sure. And, um, you know, so I think, I think, uh, and I'll tell my friends and people I know now that I think I was, I was meant to be a coach, not so much a player, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously transitioning from being on the field to coaching, obviously you said you picked it up quicker than what your dad thought you would, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure there had to be some tough things going from the field to the dugout and actually coaching these guys. So what was probably the toughest thing just uh, switching from being a player to an actual coach? Oh, well, toughest thing for me was, you know, I was a fiery guy. I was kind of a, a, a spark dude, a spark plug that, you know, I was, I was talking trash and firing guys up. So, you know, the first team I coached, they were 12 years old. So I think for me, it was uh, knowing when to hold back, knowing what you can and can't say to these kids and managing, managing the parents really is the biggest issue. You know, that's something I never had to do as a player, obviously, but, um, you know, as a coach, that's really the most important thing is making sure the families are happy and also just making sure you're saying the right things to these young kids. And so um, going from, you know, for me, the most recent baseball was junior college dugout. So for me, going to, from that to a 12-year-old dugout was was a bit of a bit of a change. But, um, you know, I adjusted quickly and, uh, you know, I, I, had, I, you know, I had some speed bumps on the way. So it was just a matter of feeling comfortable and and putting it in perspective that a 12 year old would understand not so much a 22 or 23 year old Juco bandit trying to just play ball as long as they can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you helped coach, you you helped coach your dad, uh, your younger brother's team with your dad mm-hmm. that first year. Um, you said that next year you were coaching your own team then? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So it also says, um, I also read into it and said that you were in charge of recruiting players to the Tigers so how do you go about recruiting players to a travel ball organization? You know, I think, you know, I think we all kind of play a part in recruiting and finding guys. A lot of it is, you know, just hosting tryouts um, at the end of every summer. We always host tryouts, especially for the youth kids. Um, I always feel like we get a better turnout for the younger kids just because once they get to high school, you know, most kids have their team by then. Um, if not, then they're really close, you know, trying to stick close to their buddies that play on, you know, decent teams or good clubs or whatever. So, uh, the way we would do it was we'd honestly, we'd use our players at that age in the high school ages. If we had some players that we knew they have, you know, good, good teammates at their high school, we'll see, Hey, is, are they interested in kind of coming over to play or would they, you know, would they want to come play for us? Kind of, kind of go like that. And so the players did a lot of our recruiting for us, quite honestly, it was, it's a, and I think it's like that for most clubs. Um, the real benefit of having these kids that have friends that can play ball that people may not know about. Um, it's a good thing. And we use that to our advantage for sure. The youth side of things, we just kind of blast emails out to, to people or um, on social media, things like that. And hope that we get a good turnout. I think, like I said, I think the youth ages probably had a better turnout in terms of numbers, just because there's so many kids playing every year. There's new kids playing every year. And um, you know, obviously nowadays, even, even nine, 10 years ago when I first started coaching, I guess it was, People are always looking for the next best thing, you know, so especially for their children. And um, I think that's that's kind of why I felt like the uh, the youth turnout was a little better in numbers than the high school kids. So so what age the Tigers, what what age did they start actually having teams uh, for? I believe now it's seven, seven U all the way Ooh. up through 18 U. Yeah. But um, what is that? Second grade? I think so. Yeah. Second, third grade. Yeah. So Ooh, man, that's... it's, you know, and that's the thing is 
you know, I, I give credit to my dad who, who does a good job of finding good coaches and guys that work well with these younger kids. Um, a lot of the guys that coach in the club are guys that just love the game. You know, they, they're baseball guys just like us. And uh, they really love what they do. They're not really chasing a check or trying to just, you know, make a living off of it. It's really like they enjoy being around these kids and being in the dugout and, you know, getting to, getting to stay on the baseball field. You know, I think that's, that's what I think he does a really good job of, of the hiring process. So do a lot of those, obviously a lot of those coaches that your dad finds, do they mm-hmm. usually stay with the same age group or do they usually follow along with the same team once they're coaching um, like the younger level players? Uh, usually they'll, they'll move up with that team. So like for myself, it was, you know, I started with the 12 year olds and I just kept gradually going up every year with them until they graduated high school. And, and even now, I mean, I still keep in touch with some of those kids with the collegiate leagues going on out in Dallas. Um, a lot of those kids, you know, we'll have a Dallas Tiger collegiate team. And uh, a lot of those kids play on that. And those were, I want to say 2020 graduates, some 2019 graduates. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of these kids, uh, you know, they come to stay and they end up staying and, and their loyalties. It's a beautiful thing because there's not a lot of it left in the game. Yeah. Which is sad. So are, so are you still going to be involved with the Tigers, even though now you're working for MVP? Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's my father. So I'll, I'll try to stay as connected to the club as I can. But um, as far as coaching goes, no, I won't be coaching anymore. Um, you know, I may, I may go to some workouts or throw BP or whatever every now and then just because I love being on the field, hitting fungo and stuff like that. You know, that's just one of those things that I get a kick out of and I really enjoy. But um, from the coaching side, no, I probably won't be coaching um, anymore going forward. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. I do love it. But um, I, just, I just don't know that I'll have the time. And I, that's something that I, I wanted to make sure I had, you know, not just for I'm me, sure. but for the players. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so with you being just an insider of the program, obviously you watched your dad just grow the business from being a very young age to where you're at now. Just seeing the day-to-day operations, what do you think's led to just your dad creating such a great organization? Honestly, I think it's just the level of commitment that he has. You know, it's he, – he truly from day one, and I've asked him this before, you know, from day one he really just wanted to be able to develop kids. I mean, that's – he wants to show them the game that he loves so much and that you know, his dad loved and his brother loves. And it's, it's just one of those things. He's a baseball lifer. Uh, and he, that's all he's about. He's about development and he wants to, you know, he's a winner. He's competitive. He wants to win. So I think for him, it was more about, he wants to put a good team together and he wants to coach them up as best he can and and see how successful they become over time. Um, and that's just kind of what he's always believed in. It's never been about making a, sh- a ton of money or uh, trying to, you know, say that he's the best coach out there or, or boost himself, really. It's more of he's trying to just build a brand for, for the area and, and the kids that participate in the club. He tries to show them love. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of been his mission is really just player development, building relationships. I think, I think that's something that you don't see a lot of in, in the private ball industry, really. Um, unfortunately, it's there's a lot of egos that kind of go into it and, and I'm sure I'm biased just because, you know, he is my dad, but you know, I I've, I've noticed there are some guys that kind of make it more personal and about themselves as far as maybe club owners or certain coaches or things like that, you know, and that's just from being around it the last 10 years or so and watching uh, from the outside looking in and it's, you know, it's, I think that he does a good job of making it less about himself and more about the players. So, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's and it's and it's proven to work. You know, I mean, we most of the kids that we have start in the club at a young age end up staying all the way through. 
So it's, it's just one of those things that if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? And so he's, he's done a good job. Yeah. So working alongside your dad and then coaching for him for nine years, how has that coaching career, how has that turned into the job that you have now with MVP sports group? I think a lot of it is just recognizing talent and recruiting. Um, obviously, you know, as a player, you don't really like you always point out, oh, man, that guy's a stud. You know, oh, look at that guy. He didn't really play. And so going from even being a player to coaching, it was just one of those things that you always kind of could tell who was a good player or who was more, you know, gifted on the baseball side of things than most other kids. And so, you know, that that really helped me. Um, like I said, I was kind of one of those players that was just a high IQ guy. Um, so I was really I could really recognize talent at a younger age just because I could see what a better player was, you know. And so going from from that to coaching, it was kind of the same thing. It was it helped me kind of recognize what you're looking for at a certain age, um, where they should be at as far as what age group they're at as far and their talent level. And so for me, you know, coaching to go into the industry I'm in now, I think it really helped on a recruiting side and just being able to see what a good ball player looks like, you know. And, uh, you know, and that's that's really what it is, I think. And also managing families. Um, I think that's another big thing. As I as I stated before, that was one of those things that I really had to adjust to is managing families and parents and, and kind of being outgoing. Um, so coaching really helped me do that. I was never much of a talker. I was always pretty introverted. So uh, being able to kind of have to force out there and you know, host team meetings and doing banquets and having to get in front of people and talk and things like that. So it, it, uh, I think all of that really helped me get adjusted to this industry for sure, just because it helped me be comfortable in uncomfortable situations, you know? Yeah. So let's, let's actually dig into the industry you're in now. Obviously you worked for MVP sports group. That was kind of how we got connected was through Instagram. I saw some of your players you advised kind of gave you a follow, you reached out. So let's dig into that a little bit. So how did you get connected with MVP sports group? Uh, just so happened our, our owner and CEO, Danny Lozano, was, you know, recruiting players out in the Dallas area. And uh, I happened to have coached a few of them or at least been in the dugout with a few of them, uh, which were Tiger players, obviously. And so uh, we happened to go out get lunch. And I, what I thought was we were going to talk about players it ended up kind of being into like a small interview. And, um, you know, I had a great time, great conversation. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a blessing that the way it turned out. I'm very thankful for sure, but um, it was unexpected. You know, it was one of those things that I, uh, I didn't see myself being a sports agent. I always assume, you know, oh man, that's gotta be a great job. It's super cool. But um, you know, for myself personally, I was pretty content with being a coach. And um, it was just one of those things where when the opportunity came about, I couldn't say no, just because, you know, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to try and go, go get it and see what I can do with my life and get after it. And uh, a lot of it was, you know, and I sat down with my wife and kind of talked about it after it all went through. And it was one of those things where I always got into coaching because I wanted to help give these kids a chance to have the opportunity that I have, you know, play college ball and, and be around a great group of guys and be on a club that they really care about you. And so uh, I try to take the, the style of coaching I had to kind of how I do it now. You know, now it's more of a bigger perspective where instead of just helping these kids learn the game, you get to follow them through their career and, and hope to help them with their success and, and kind of be a mentor and a guide to them. So it was, it was something that I thought was really cool. Something that I, you know, being a coach was preparing myself for without knowing. And so, um, like I said, it was just one of those opportunities I couldn't say no to. 
So before that meeting with Danny Lozano, did you have any thought in your mind that being an advisor would be like coming up so quickly for you? Or was that kind of just like a spur of the moment thing? Um, no, it was literally spur of the moment kind of thing. You know, um, it was, it was, like I said, nothing I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to coach forever. I was, I was pretty happy with it, you know, just, just from really starting to find myself as a coach and being comfortable with the things that I was trying to teach and, and things like that. Um, so I, I wasn't expecting it. It was, it was something that I was always told by some of my players at higher levels that like, Hey, I think you would be good at it. And, you know, you have a good personality, you're easy to talk to stuff like that. So, uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, maybe I would be okay at this. And I was like, let's give it a go. See what happens. And I think, I think, uh, Dan had the same thoughts, you know, let's see how it goes, kind of trial run for the first year or so, and let's get after it. And so it just, it just happened to work out the way it did. And, um, like I said, it's a blessing, man. I, uh, I didn't expect to be in this position for sure especially 10 years ago, whenever I was trying to figure stuff out for myself as far as what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. So how long was it after that meeting that you were actually officially working for MVP? I want to say about a month, maybe two months, um, you know, officially, you know, was, you know, signed a contract and all that stuff. But uh, unofficially, I was kind of, you know, once I sat down, he kind of gave me the heads up like, hey, we're thinking about pushing this thing forward. And and seeing where we can go with this. So I started kind of trying to practice a little bit, you know, talking to people and, and looking at guys and kind of trying to view what a really top-notch player looks like just to make sure I wasn't in over my head, you know, or I wasn't doing something that I wasn't qualified for or, or putting MVP in a bad position or something like that, you know. And so um, I took the month and a half or two months in between to kind of evaluate kind of what I knew and, and how I went about things. And so it was – it was a good thing, you know, it was great. Yeah. So you're you're listed as a player advisor and a recruiter on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. just obviously looking through your profile. So what exactly does all your job description entail at this point? Uh, a lot of it is like like it says recruiting, um, going out, watching players. It's a lot of scouting, uh, just in terms of trying to recognize talent. Uh, and then it's and then it's trying to sit down with the families, sit down, get meetings. Um, that's the biggest thing, get meetings and and try to, you know, get your players to verbally commit to you and see if you can't help them and guide them uh, through not just high school, but college as well. And then pro ball, you know, and, and a lot of it is just building relationships. A lot of these people um, aren't people that I knew prior to being in the industry. So for me, I think, you know, obviously some of these kids that I, that I advise are tiger kids, which is very helpful. And they're kids that I've already had relationships with, but a lot of these people that I have sat down with, you know, I've never known them. So it's, it's, the difficult part, I think, is just trying to sit down with a family and having them understand that you're in it just to help the kid. The same thing that they want. You want the best for their their child, and and a lot, you know. Obviously, it's it's one of those things that can be nerve wracking for a family, especially young kids. You know, it's kind of the but the way social media is. You see kids at a younger age that are a little more advanced as far as their skill set, and so you see guys going after them and trying to get them younger and younger, and it's it can be scary for kids, you know, they're, they're just, they're kids, they're children and their parents are nervous about it, obviously. And so a lot of it is just trying to build those relationships, make sure that, you know, they can trust you and that you have the best intentions for their child and not just yourself. So yeah, that's, that's the big thing. Yeah. So you talk about relationships. I know both players that you advise that I know, Jared Thomas and Cooper Strong. Mm -hmm. um, I know they both said they have great relationships with you and that was the reason they went with you. 
Um, so besides those two guys, who are all, who are some other guys that you advise um, at this at this point in your career? I got Noah Bentley. He's a Oklahoma commit, right-handed pitcher, outfielder, really talented kid. Also one of the top quarterbacks in the state of Texas. Um, got him. Cam Pruitt is another one who's a Baylor commit, shortstop, really athletic. He can play outfield as well. I mean, he's you know good good ball players. And then a younger guy, Caleb Hoover, who in my opinion might be one of the best bats in the 2024 class. Um, the kid is, you know, physically dominating and, uh, but, you know, he's also just a, I mean, he's a big teddy bear, man. He's a big old, just a nice kid, but the dude is very advanced physically and his skill set is, it's, it's pretty, pretty good at the plate for how young he is. It's kind of remarkable. Yeah. So that's five guys. Do you have, so Jared Thomas, he's a class of 2022, right? Correct. So as the draft gets closer, um, what, how does your, how does your job role, how does your roles or your, how does your job description change? What more job responsibilities are you taking in as the draft gets closer for guys, for guys you advise who are in the certain draft class uh, coming up in this summer? I mean, I think the most important thing is just one reaching out to scouts and trying to figure out where these guys stand and also trying to, manage manage their expectations you know uh not just the kid but also the family i know jared is very talented he's one of those kids that kind of got on the scene a little late i want to say just because he wasn't a big name until i went probably last summer maybe even the spring before that because he went nuts in high school last year and so and last summer you know he went to the, all the big events out in marietta georgia all that stuff and he really really swung the bat well uh he's uber athletic you know, a little lengthy right now, but he's, he's got more pop than you think. And so he really, he really made a name for himself getting to play an area code and all these big events. And so for him, I think the most important thing was just managing his expectation and making sure that he wasn't overwhelmed in all the process. You know, uh, I think for him being able to go to Texas and commit to the university of Texas was a dream of his. And, and um, it's something that he, he was looking forward to for a long time. And so now that he's getting some attention on the pro side of things, you know, I think management of expectation, like, Hey, not, not steering away from plan a, which was, Hey, we're going to Texas and kind of making sure that, uh, you know, you're, you, you recognize how, what a good player you are. And also you need to understand kind of where your value is and, and how these teams value as well. So I think that's the big thing um, for me leading to the draft here in a couple months is just making sure that I'm communicating with, the people I need to from different organizations and also community, you know, making sure I'm telling Jared and the family the right thing and being honest with them and letting them know exactly how these teams feel about them, you know? Yeah. So how does that change for some of the younger said class of 2024, you have a couple guys, Cooper strong, Texas A&M commit 2023. So mm -hmm. what are you like? So like, what's your job description at this point in their careers? What exactly are you doing for them as an advisor at this point in their careers? You know, just mentoring them, making sure they're going to the right events. Um, if they want to do any like private showcase stuff, you know, just making sure they're doing the right ones. Um, not really, you know, you hear about some of the stuff where people think they're money grabbing or whatever, you know, just inviting as many kids as they can to try to, you know, make a good, make a good bit of coin out of it. And it's, it's not so much that I'm not trying to get them to go to those kind of things, but more of knowing which ones are going to help their status as far as getting drafted in the future. Okay. I think, I think that's the most important role that we play for these younger guys. And also we take the time to, uh, you know, build those relationships, try to go like Noah Bentley, for instance, he's a big time football player, try to go to his football games, watch him play. Um, 
you know, next year will be his senior year. So I'll make sure I get to go out there. There should be uh, favorites or at least in the talks for maybe winning the state title. So that should be exciting for him. And I, you know, it's just one of those things where you try to take the opportunity to be around these guys as much as you can. Cause you know, like I said, you just want them to know that you're there for them and, and uh, you know, you have their best interest in mind for sure. Yeah. So how often are you in contact with some of your uh, players that you advise? Uh, you know, I always just reach out probably once a week. Um, I know Jared and I talk probably every other day. There's, um, you know, just, just joking around, sending stuff to each other back and forth. You know, me and Jared, I've known Jared since he was eight or nine years old. So uh, we've always kind of had a good relationship. He was always one of those kids that was never afraid to talk to anybody. So being a really young kid talking to a guy at the time I was playing college ball, he had no problem walking up to you and asking you questions and trying to pitch your brain, you know, and he was one of those kids that's he himself, he's a baseball lifer. The dude just loves being around the field. And so, um, you know, for us, it's more like a big brother, little brother dynamic almost like we just reach out to each other and, and joke around. So for us, you know, we reach out quite a bit, but, I always, I always send out texts every week just to check on my guys, see if they're okay, make sure everything's good. And, uh, you know, if we happen to talk a little more within the week, then that's what happens. Yeah. So let's, let's dig into the recruiting process a little bit. Obviously you're very relationship based um, when it comes to just uh, recruiting players, Mm -hmm. but how do you begin that recruiting process with some of these younger guys that you're wanting to advise for the classes of maybe 2023, 24, or even 25? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, obviously you have to look at the rankings, any guys that you maybe haven't heard of before or, or uh, just aren't familiar with as far as who they play for and stuff like that. Uh, I think perfect game does a good job of kind of ranking these kids um, baseball America as well, you know? So I try to take a look at these, you know, PBR stuff like that, just see kind of who these names are. Obviously these, these organizations send guys out to scout players at a young age. And so it's, it's good to see kind of who's on, on the radar or on anybody's radar really. And so I kind of use that to help at least as a starting point. Um, obviously if there's a team that's just a really collectively good group, I'll try to follow them around and, and see if maybe there's somebody that maybe these rankings haven't listed just for whatever reason, they maybe don't go to a bunch of individual showcases. So these scouts haven't had an opportunity to go look at them, stuff like that. So a lot of it is just driving around watching ball games. I know in the summer uh, there's a lot of tournaments in the area going on, so I'll probably be standing out there all day watching every game if I can. So, um, and obviously you just follow the best talent. You know, you hear you start hearing guys as the as you keep going to these high school games, um, whether they're freshmen or seniors, you, you you start to see kind of how they perform in in pressure situations and against good talent. And so, whether they're whether or not they're a huge name now maybe they're committed to a big time school and who knows, maybe they'll blow up in college. And so, you know, you kind of, there's a lot of things that kind of go into play, but um, for me, it's kind of always been the same, whether it was coaching or this, it was, you know, you want to go watch and recognize good talent and see kind of what, what, what kind of comes to play, or maybe if there's some projectability there, you know, maybe they can, they're still growing physically. So two, three years in college will do good for them. And who knows, maybe a kid though, and, from 89 to 91 is going to be 93 to 96, you know, who knows? Yeah. So when you, when you're initially reaching out to some of these guys, you're at tournaments, are you going up to them after games talking? To them? Are you sending them texts? How exactly are you initially reaching out to some of these guys? Uh, I mean, yeah, for me, it's, you know, if you're at the game, you might as well go walk up, introduce yourself to your, their family. If, if they're there, if you recognize who they're standing with or talking to, um, 
if, if a kid has a great game, you know, walking up, just saying, Hey man, you know, introducing yourself, uh, kind of telling them good game, you know, you really like, you saw stuff like that, just little things like that, that, uh, obviously just letting them know that, you know, Hey, you're, you're a good dude. You can go talk to him whenever, or, or, uh, you know, and reaching out on Instagram or, or Twitter or stuff like that as well. Um, I'm not, I don't like doing all that too much just because I'd rather reach out to the parents first. I know it's, it's kind of weird um, for me, at least, reaching out to a kid before I talk to the family just because, you know, it is their kid and it's a big decision kind of sitting down with an advisor. So I don't want the family to feel like they're in the dark when their kid is the one kind of handling things, you know. So it's um, there are certain ways to go about it. But um, I think, you know, social media being the way it is, I think that's an easy way to kind of get in touch with kids. But also just using your network. Um, if you know coaches that are coaching good players um, that are kind of, on, you know, freshman, sophomore age, reach out to them, kind of get their thoughts and go from there and see if maybe you can't get a phone number or whatever. Yeah. So when you're when you're trying to just target some players, are you mainly focused on that Texas, Oklahoma area? Or are you like maybe traveling out to, let's say, like the WWBA and you're going to players from other states? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's nationwide. I know I represent, you know, North Texas area. So I get pretty much Waco and above, but, um, you know, I'll go up to Oklahoma. I'll go out to Arizona if I have to Colorado, if there's anything, um, you know, I have, I have buddies that kind of coach all over the place in the surrounding States. So I try to reach out to them as much as I can. If they're, you know, if they play against anybody good or if they see anything good or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a nationwide thing. Well, you know, all the, all the, advisors from our company at least will go out to all the big tournaments and showcases and stuff uh, especially during the summer when we know that there's going to be premium talent and and a lot of it and scouts and everything kind of gathered all together that way we can try to get opinions on who what these players are who these teams like things like that so it's um summer's gonna be busy for sure summer is busy time and also the fall you know a lot of a lot of baseball going on a lot of good baseball going on so it's uh you know it can be fun for sure yeah. So wh- where are the big places you're planning on traveling this summer? You already got some of your schedule lined up for this summer? Yeah, I plan on going out to Georgia, obviously, going to see the, you know, the PBR Marietta stuff. And then I'll go out to North Carolina. Um, there's some good tournaments going on down south in Texas here in Tomball, which is kind of in the Houston area. So, And then also some here in a, in a place called Melissa, where they host a bunch of good little World Series events. So it's it'll be cool. You know, um, I'll be all over the place. Um you know, try to venture out as much as I can and try to try to chase the good teams and the good players. You know, it's yeah. just one of those things. I try I try to be around all the best players. If you see a bunch of really good teams in the same showcase or tournament, then try to be there as much as you can. And you'll be at the class of 2023 17U uh, WWBA this year in Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll uh, definitely be there. I was planning on being there for sure. All right. Well, I guess I'll have to meet you in person and get you some podcasts be there too just watching some guys doing some content stuff with some guys so awesome yeah no doubt that'd be awesome so so lawrence i just got a couple more questions for you um obviously like i said i'm trying to be a player agent advisor myself here in a couple years once i graduate from iu so what advice would you have for just an aspiring player agent and advisor any advice man just just don't be afraid you know you got to be fearless it's a very competitive industry i uh I was obviously warned and kind of given a heads up on kind of how it works from from friends and people that I've known growing up that are also in the industry. And so I, I kind of had a good heads up on it and how it was going to work. But 
I think that's my biggest advice. You know, um, if you've got a feeling, you know, try to stick with it. It's, it's one of those things where nobody really knows who's going to hit as far as players go, who's going to be the best. It's, you know, people miss all the time, but I think it's just being confident and uh, don't be afraid. Just go after it. If, especially when it comes to trying to talk to people, I'm, I'm one yeah. of those people, especially me early on. I didn't want to go walk up to just anybody and say hello. And I think a lot of it is just being, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, it's, Obviously, it's something you kind of grow into and learn a little bit. And obviously, every day, every year, it's going to change. But I know uh, that's probably my biggest advice. Just be confident and don't be afraid to to go out of your comfort zone for sure. All right. So I got one last question for you. So you've been a player advisor now for a little over a year or maybe just coming up on a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you, what's your plan? What are your goals for these next couple of years um, as an advisor? Um, you know, obviously it's just trying to get the guys that I advise now, get them signed and, uh, whether it be, you know, making sure they're good after college or, or out of high school, I just, I'm trying to get them to the next level. That's my big thing. I'm trying to help these players out. Um, and then also I'm, you know, obviously I'm trying to grow, grow my name and kind of get myself out there and, and grow my, I guess you could say my client list, you know, I'm trying to get great players and I want to be around great people and, uh, lucky for me, I work for a great agency that I think that that's what we have. You know, we have a lot of good people, a lot of good baseball people that really love the game. And they, you know, we reach out to each other all the time. And um, I think, I think for me personally, I just, I want to, I want to be a big name. You know, I want to make a name for myself and I want to help my players as best as I can and, and be known as the guy that, that does the best for his players, you know? So um, obviously that, that comes with time, but that's one of those things that I'm, I'm willing to work hard for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love to hear it. <clears throat> so Lawrence, that's all the questions I got for you. Like I said, like, I'm really appreciative that you reached out to me. I, I, I really, I wanted to reach out to you to begin with. Um, so I really thank you for coming on the show. Um, I'm looking forward to following your career, see what your clients do here these next couple of years. And I'm just thankful to meet with you. And hopefully this summer I can meet you sometime, maybe in Atlanta when we're at the WWBA. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. And I appreciate you having me on, man. It's uh. Like I said, it's the first time for me to do anything like this, so I had a blast. And that is going to do it for another episode of the JKR Podcast. I'd really like to thank Lawrence for coming on the show today. Like I mentioned before, I've been following him now for a couple months. I really like some of the players he's advising. Obviously, Cooper Strawn and Jared Thomas have some past podcast guests. I'm really excited to see what his future's looking like. Um, really, really got to know a little bit about him here in this episode, so I'm really excited for that. Um, tomorrow we got his father, Tommy Hernandez, on the show. So Tommy started the Dallas Tigers program, one of the best travel ball programs in the nation. Started that a while back. He is the owner and the founder of that. Um, so really excited to get him on tomorrow. Lot, lots of great content, lots of knowledge to share. Um, so make sure to tune into that. For any more updates on the podcast, make sure you'll give our social media a follow. It's going to be at JKR underscore podcast. Posting a lot there, very active on Instagram and Twitter. Um, any more updates besides that, go to our website. It's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. There you're going to find our YouTube, a little bit of background how the podcast got started. But with that being said, I'll catch you guys tomorrow for the Tommy Hernandez interview.